Right, so <laughs> I'm I'm driving in the car, and I'm uh, as usual. I'm minding my blackity black business, and I'm listening to NPR on the way to pick up the kids and so on or whatever. So I end up hearing this the story, the segment talking about how Americans, the amount of Americans that are having sex, has drastically declined in the past about 12 to 10 years now. And I'm thinking to myself, hold up. I, with all of these dating apps and the way we look at uh, hookup culture nowadays, you know, you see all the, the you know, what do you want to call it? The, the reality TV shows and it just seems like people are just being promiscuous left and right to tell me that folks aren't getting busy. And apparently the millennials have it even worse. Like they're at a, like um, a steep, steep, steep decline at this point, which really kind of blows my mind. It says that you were saying between the ages of 18 and 35, they're having less sex. That's a drop from 57% to about 40% as of 2018. And that the worst of the culprits are between 18 and 25, the 23% say they have neither had sex nor had any sort of intimacy with another person in a year or more. That kind of I mean, blows my mind, man. I mean, I think there's an economic factor, you know. People you are working, yeah, there's people working harder. There's different, there's, there's different stresses and pressures now. You know, just trying to live. I mean, just, just trying to, just trying to pay rent is uh, not, not only that. Man, you know but... what I mean? And then you add kids to the mix with childcare, and then uh, you have to worry about your own. You have to worry about whether or not about. That don't explain the millennials. Maybe this is why they're so grumpy all the damn time because they're not getting enough. Well, they they have a different level. They have, they have a different kind of interaction than we do. And I think that he don't understand that, bro. It's a lack of interaction. He can't comprehend that. It's a lack of interaction. The game, the game is different now than it used to be once you back know what? in his you, day, bro. He, 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 hold up. Back in whose day? What you say? Your day, bro. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> the game is so much hold different up. now, Hold up. Ain't you older than me? What you talking about? Listen, I, but unfortunately, I've kept my youth. King of light skins, boy, I told you, you're not going to besmirch my would, name in front of guests tonight, okay? I would really like Behave to yourself. see the, the poll. How many people did they actually poll? I think that would be incredibly telling, man, because... Them dog on poles, bro. You got to be real careful. And you, why are you listening to NPR riding the car by yourself? <laughs> no, I mean, listen, that's sir. A listen, issue, bro. listen, listen, I mean, sir. That's more I concerning am, than that data. What I, <laughs> <laughs> listen, man. I am trying to be a good steward of information and knowledge. I try not to subject my kids to that yugga yugga music that's on the radios these days. So we listen to NPR and we listen to classical music on the ride. What? If we are not listening to my audio books, you thank you very right much. There? You hear that? That's your black card disintegrating right there. <laughs> classical music? <laughs> classical music, son. That's the ashes for your black card just blowing in the wind. Listen, no, wait, just classical music and talk radio. Listen, it's I, no, no, no. Don't, don't get it twisted. That, bro, we listen. We listened. You know, don't make me come in front of you. So, so it's, viol, it's violins and white dudes. 
That's all they yeah. get. That's all you kids are getting. Bella, and, and we listen to we get, listen bro. to hip hop. We listen dude. to stuff and the man. What's stuff? I can't share nothing with you guys. Man. What's stuff? Yeah. Listen to white dudes and more white dudes. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, see, see. I, I, I'm real close to adopting right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, listen, man. I'm, I'm hearing what not to do. <laughs> listen, that is I'm telling you, we listen. Lists, bro. If, if I find it hard at times to find, um, what do you call it? Since the proper censored music that I'm looking for to play for the kids. But my bro, kids- you can get Pandora app where it doesn't play the explicit songs, man. hear the cuss words. You said what? Listen, let them hear cuss words, man. You one of them parents that be getting mad at their kids when they say shit, damn, and fuck. And so listen, I'm waiting to for, bro, for listen, all of I'm our listeners. You, you are just trying to corrupt your children. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not gonna make me feel bad, okay? I know I'm doing a damn good, damn good got, job. You got your I mean, kids listen to play, white play them and play. white. You know what I'm saying? Listen. That's I'm that's a whole that's a whole loaf of Wonder Bread you have in their mouth every day. You know what? We're gonna start the damn show, okay? Yes. Yes. Wonder Bread. Uh, uh, I, I can't believe it's not butter on top. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, 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 Please welcome. Hey, 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 hey. Chill out. Let me start the damn show, okay? <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black Podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who are patiently waiting for their W-2s. I am your host, Big O, Mr. <laughs> in the Black himself. Shut up! Can I do the intro without you interrupting me for once? <laughs> but you know I can't do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of the Power Rangers. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? L Boogie, say what's up, man. Of course you introduced us as a white superhero group. Of course, that <laughs> fits our previous discussion. You, you are no good. <laughs> what's going on, family? How y'all doing? And tonight, we are joined by a special guest, educator and author, Rashid Darden. Mr. Darden, what is up? Hello, everybody. This is Rashid, coming to you live all the way from Conway, North Carolina, population 836. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You live in a city with three people? <laughs> the, the joke hasn't even started yet. I'm just telling the truth. Oh, wow. man. Wow. All right, Mr. Darden, for those folks that may not be familiar with you or your work, please tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a novelist and an educator. Uh, my first novel came out in 2005 called Lazarus. That was followed up by Covenant, Epiphany, and Yours in the Bond. Those four books are the stories of an African-American gay young man in a fraternity navigating college life and life mm. beyond college. And my uh, latest two novels, Birth of a Dark Nation, came out in 2013 about African vampires that came to America during the slave trade. So obviously it's a romantic comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love was in the air. Listen, man. Love was in the air. Take a bite out of that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, the novel I'm working on now is called Yours in the Bond. I'm, I'm sorry. The novel I'm working on now is called Children of Fury. And I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit more as we talk about uh, this mental health thing going on in the world and in our classrooms. 
Not a problem at all. I Rashid, really appreciate you, you being your, on the show. Can we find your books on Amazon? You Where can, can we find your books find at? Your books I'm sorry. Let me Amazon. ask that. You you can uh, get them on Amazon primarily. You can also special order them from your local bookstore. That's what's up. I'm yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show, sir. I really, really appreciate it. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of things, Boogie, tell them, tell the good folks where they can find us and become part of the family, man. Man, you can find us on OnlyFans Pornhub. <laughs> 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 I knew I was in the right place. <laughs> you can find us everywhere for $3.99 late night. Get it. Yo, man, you can find us on all the social media platforms, uh, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, man, in the black podcast. That's in the black PDCST. Find us there, man. And you can go to our website where you can get all of our in the black swag, man. Check us out. Yes, indeed. Now we're going to jump into the meat and potatoes of things and start with our black box letter for tonight. Uh-oh. Tonight's black box letter comes from Gerald. Gerald says, what's going on, big bros? I need some help and I'm hoping that you guys can fill in the gap. I'm 27 years old and I just got my master's in business finance last December. So I'm now finally on my way to not having a job, but having a <laughs> Man, why do you, why is it every time I'm trying to read, you're always laughing at the readers, man? Always laughing. Like, can I finish the letter? Yeah, I'm sorry. My bad, Jerry. Oh, okay, okay. Can I call you Jerry? <laughs> I work at a small firm here in Detroit, and I'm seeing that the corporate world is very cliquish. I've never been one for shucking, jiving, or doing a little soft shoe for anyone, but I had a conversation with one of the staff assigned to me that I can shadow when I first got there, a woman, a middle-aged sister, by the way, said that I need to fall in line and get clickish if I want to progress here. This is a whole new environment for me. I find, I find myself feeling a bit nervous, but also being worried about not compromising on who I am or being changed, and he puts that in quotations, if you know what I mean. You guys seemed very experienced. Uh, you guys seem very experienced. Can you talk me through this? Harold. <laughs> so, who would like to go first? Go ahead, Crush. <laughs> I mean, speaking as someone that has had, you know, some some pretty extensive experience with corporate America. Hold on real quick. Before you continue, I want to make sure we put out a disclaimer. Take everything we hear from Crush <laughs> and Boogie very, very gently. Because these dudes will have you walking into work with a Shake Rivera shirt on and some more shit. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying. No, no, That's no. Why I said Crush go first. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, my, 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 my attitude is like, I, I know where he comes from. You know, that, you know, you've worked this hard to attain the education you have and you figure that is the ultimate qualifier, you know, for the career that you want. Um, And you're, you're, you're more than, you know, uh, uh, you're welcome to feel that way. You're, you're entitled to feel that way. You work hard for it, but you know the harsh reality is that um, you know, perception is a motherfucker. Yeah, and some perceptions only change slightly when they see when people see you in different contexts. Um, the context you're applying yourself to, you know, it, it'll take more than your education to get your point, the point of view across to these people. Um, and it's going to take some maneuvering. Going to, it's going to take the, you know, the, the classic, you know, code switching. You know, to a certain extent, but this is cold switching on a whole different level. You know, especially especially now versus you know 
about 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah. Go ahead, Boogie. Hey, Jerry, I'm going to keep it a buck with you, bro. Uh, listen, man, if you work in a predominantly white environment where predominantly white males are in charge of your advancement, you will be doing a level of soft shoeing, buck dancing, code switching, whatever term you want to see. You will be doing some of that in some form or fashion just to be able to provide for your family. That's just the nature of being a black male or a black person in America working in any job. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna swallow some pride. You're gonna swallow some pride, bro. Maybe, I mean, maybe four or five times a day. Yeah, yeah, and that's just... <laughs> And I say that for you to get to a place of not necessarily comfort or to accept any type of abuse or neglect or disrespect. I say it just to let you know, man, just to keep it a buck. That's what you're going to deal with. So yeah. you have to find ways to be able to cope with that type of racial battle fatigue that you're going to be dealing with up in that job on a consistent basis. You got to figure out ways, some coping skills. For me, I work in a predominantly white environment. Headphones is one of my best friends. I can put my headphones on and disconnect from the office and the environment that I'm working in and stay in a safe zone. You got to figure out a way, even with this older black woman who's giving you this advice and telling you how to play the game, take what you can take from her. And like my old head used to tell us, take what you can take from people and just add their tools to your toolbox or to your box until you have your own toolbox to be able to navigate that. But I, I, there's no way around it, bro. Even if you started your own business and became an entrepreneur, you still gonna have to deal with somebody above you who is not gonna want you to treat you in a certain manner due to the color of your skin and their perception of what blackness is. That's just what it is, bro. Yeah, no doubt. Rashi, what do you think, man? So I don't believe in white people. Um, I believe in working by myself, if possible. I believe in working in black businesses that are funded by black people. And again, these are not even the jokes yet. I, <laughs> I have very, 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 and, and I work in the, I have worked in the education and nonprofit sectors, mm. right? And um, the white nonprofit sector, go ahead. Right. And, and I know it's not the same as corporate America, so to speak, but the white racist patriarchy definitely informs philanthropy just as much as it informs um, everything else. And like, yo, like, I don't believe in putting on a mask when I go to work. I don't believe mm -hmm. playing the game. The only mm -hmm. game I play is the one of my own design. So, mm -hmm. you know, it might be too late for your for the person that wrote your letter, but when, when it comes to playing the game, run. Do what you can do to, to make your own way first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting step, man. I think, I think all the advice that you've gotten is pretty damn spot on, man, but for me, I've always looked at it as just picking your battles where you can. There are certain things that you need to learn now as you're building in maturity, I guess in professional maturity, as well as personal maturity, what you're willing to compromise on and what you're not willing to compromise on. And you need to make those decisions fairly quickly before you get deeper and deeper into the workplace. Because it, yeah, it can suck you dry. It can suck you dry. I can't there was a couple of years ago maybe two or three years ago after i started this podcast i had one of my colleagues at work uh 
happened to listen to the show and was like, you seem like a completely different person on the show than you are in the workplace. And I told her, I said, well, I've never been one to, to shuck and jive. So I don't, I mean, I don't understand like that. That's just not my thing. So when I come to work, even nine years now in the same workplace, I don't refer to any of my colleagues by their first name. And that's not because I'm mastering or, you know, nah, yes, nah, bossing, you. but we are not yeah. familiar, cousin. We are not familiar. You are you know, someone that I'm team. here to provide a service yeah. for and to, to try and get this job done. And we can be cordial and we can be nice and we can be jovial and we can joke and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I cannot expect you to have my best interest at heart when it comes to matters that are important to me. So I, I use that as a mechanism to keep everyone at arm's distance. It's not an affront to you. It's not an insult to the person. It's just how business has to work. There was one gentleman, matter of fact, I introduced him to a new colleague that we just got on board and I introduced the guy or whatever and by, said his last name. He said, you've known me for how many years? I still can't get you to call me by my name. I said, nope. Never gonna, I'm never going to call you by your first name. It's just how it works. You know what I mean? And I think you need to find those, like Elgin said, you need to find those tools and those mechanisms that work for you, not only for you to be able to survive and progress, but to keep your sanity. I think that's the number one thing, to that's keep your key, sanity, bro. man. Keep your sanity. Uh, American corporate culture is not inherently inclusive. Nah, not even because, a little bit. Because for the longest time, inclusivity um uh did not uh translate to profits mm. very good point my guy very but, good point but when the media and the culture shifts when we have a black president suddenly oh we can't we can't act like oh we're not racist we have to yeah. prove now we are proven not racist yeah these chocolate face people are actually viable now they're profitable and, so let's make and, it. and and then guess what there's actually black billionaires out there and black people spend the most money in this country so why do we uh, continue to denigrate them openly anyway mm -hmm. let me ask you rashid man i as as an entrepreneur and as someone that i i believe that you stepped away from education for a little bit is that right that's correct okay. i'm writing full-time now okay as someone who's basically taking their taking full reins of their professional and financial life in all aspects what gave you the courage to leave that? Because I mean, in so many aspects, we see these big corporations and we feel, we as black people feel that that's the only way that we can make it forward. And for you to venture off of that and just put everything on your own back, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a brave move. How did, you, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, I don't know that, I appreciate you branding it as brave. And it's not something that I felt was brave when I did it in as much as it was just something I had to do. So in, at my last job, I had a really, really toxic relationship with my um, supervisor. I had great colleagues. I loved my students and they loved me, but we were just in a position where like the man wasn't even saying good morning to me when I came in the building and, and yes. it just deteriorating from there. And um, one of my students was killed uh, a year, about a year ago this month and that really started putting a lot of things in, in perspective. I began going to therapy and I thought I was going to therapy for grief, but the rest of my sessions after the first one were about how much I hated my job and, and the experience. Wow. So um, therapy, therapy is mom, everybody should go. But <laughs> it just at the end of the day, I said, 
I just want to write. I don't have the time. I'm so tired. I'm so, mm-hmm. I'm so this, I'm so that. And it, the, the, the spirit just said, then go write. I, a lot of things came into place. My mom had, had retired from uh, federal government work two years prior. She um, had some real estate going on here in the country where things are very, very, very cheap. So my mom is now my slumlord, I mean landlord. And <laughs> I'm really, I'm just doing me. I, I'm in the creative economy, so it's a little different from strict <laughs> So I do have a lot of support from people, uh, from arts patrons, basically. People who put a little money on my books, if you will, uh, once a month so that I can live my life and write full time. Now mm-hmm. I of poor so you know just because i can sort of pay my bills and nothing else it doesn't make it you know a great life but it's great for me right now for what i want to do um, and, and you know I, I don't have a boss i don't i don't have to worry about the racist uh patriarchy structure i don't you know like and because the content of my books are very black and some of my books are very black and very gay I know my audiences. I know how to reach them. I know how to find them. So I don't have to worry about racist agents and racist bookstores, phobic bookstores. And I, I've got a story maybe for later on about how a prominent DC area black bookstore wouldn't carry my books. Hmm. I like to hear that, please. Yeah, I'd love to hear that too. Now, let me ask you this question then. Would you, would you do anything differently from the way you did it now? Because I mean, that, that level of freedom I have to imagine speaks volumes, you know what I mean? You punch your own clock. If I had to do it differently, I would have done two things. I would have saved up more money before the move, um, just been better about my savings so that I could have had a a softer cushion for longer. Mm -hmm. And I would have made sure that I cussed out my supervisor. That was really a blown opportunity on my part. I really just yeah, you, you uh, got the call, no. man. Um, yeah, man. I feel sorry for you, man. To go back and work a day, to yeah, cuss him out. <laughs> <and then work>. <laughs> <laughs> Light skinned and all. I like you, Rasheed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, Phil, you want to go ahead and close this out, man? What's your last thoughts, man? Um, I mean, for the most part, um. You know the the, uh, the the way we have to adapt. You know, in in, uh, in this country is uh, is, is something that uh, is becoming second nature. But things are also changing in a lot of a lot of different ways. Um, you know, we are emerging um, with our own economy and our, our own presence in markets um, in, in, in different ways. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, our you know, hopefully uh, the the, uh, the writer can understand that. You know that over time and with a little little persistence and with a clearer vision of where you want where you want to be, you can navigate this whole thing easy. You know, you know with a few scars, but you'll 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 be alive. Yeah, you'll be better for it in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. Thank you, Gerald. We really appreciate you for My writing. Man, Jerry, you he, his, he said his name is Gerald. Not yeah, Jerry. but I'm calling him the Jerry. So why do you always, you know what? I'm calling Big T. He wrote into us. <laughs> <laughs> he, he called it. We want us to talk to I'm him. I'm salute to Big G. Yeah, yeah. When you come to us, we call you what we want to call you, bro. Hey, Jerry. The I thoughts of representation you, of you. <laughs> and if you want to get your emails and comments shared on the show, you can mention uh, messages at our Facebook page mm-hmm. or you can send us an email to in the back podcast at gmail.com. 
Now, recently, uh, Delonte West, former NBA player, uh, played for the Mavericks, played for the Cavs, played for who else did he play for Elton? I know he you went know. overseas and played in yeah, China. He's, he's, he's a product, of what, oddly enough, he's a product of Prince George's County in the great state yeah. of Maryland. Uh, went Prince. to Eleanor Roosevelt. Let's go, Raiders. Hold on, um, but he started St. Joe's here in Philly. Mm-hmm. So let's, that, let's make sure oh, we, we give us our we property. We, we, didn't want to go, we didn't want to go that yeah, route. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. but recently he had a run and a video appeared online of him in a disheveled state. Uh, basically rambling after being beaten in the middle of the street by another gentleman, a police officer actually recorded the video and he has since actually been suspended from the job for recording and posting that video. Um, But we wanted to take this opportunity actually, not just to talk about Delante and his situation specifically, but to also talk about the issue of mental health and mental health in the black community. So El, why don't you go ahead and take it over from there, man. This story is, is troubling. Uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, Delonte West experienced a level of success that the average black man probably won't ever experience. He was on the highest of heights playing in the NBA. He played a num- He played eight seasons in the NBA. He got to play with some of our greatest basketball players from Shaq to LeBron, and the list can go on to Dirk. He was in a, a living a life of luxury. But the thing is, Delante always battled with mental health issues. There was an interview that popped up a couple of years ago, or recently from a couple of years ago, when he played for the Dallas Mavericks. And after a game, he was talking to a reporter, and he actually acknowledged that he had a number of personalities and how the Dallas Mavericks cultivated an environment to help him deal with some of his mental health issues. Now, when I came across the the, the first video, because the first video is of him with no shirt, sitting on the curb, and at at first you can't even tell that it's Delonte until you look really, really close and like, yo. yeah because he looked so bad. And that was the first video. Then the second video popped up of him getting beat in the street. But that first video was just him rambling and speaking incoherently, man. And it's heartbreaking, but I'm thankful that it's bringing to light this necessary topic of addressing mental health issues within the black community. Now, I think in many instances, This needs to be a broader conversation. We need to be having this conversation more frequently. But for me, the one thing that came to mind was as a black man dealing with mental health issues, that's a conversation that we need to be having more of as black men about our own mental health issues because our mental health issues are different than our female counterparts. There's just a whole nother level to what we're dealing with. But I just was so heartbroken, man, to see him. And not even on the strength of him being somebody that I saw hoop at St. Joe's. I saw him play in the NBA. But just that my heart was broken to seeing his brother on the curb looking absolutely broken. Mm, 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 mm. Rashid, go ahead, man. There's... This is really heartbreaking, right? And I try to be very careful about what I consume on social media. Um, I have not seen the videos. I don't the videos. Um, there's 
first and foremost, because it's sad. And I think that social media has a way of magnifying the sad, angry, it, any emotions or, or, or situations in life that a reasonable person would see as negative, it amplifies them and not in a way that is transformative for mm. the person going through it, right? right. So I, I want to say that I haven't even seen the videos, but I have seen videos of other people having, you know, mental meltdown, alleged mental meltdowns, things like that. Um, I'm someone who believes in therapy. I'm someone who has lived with forms of depression, forms of anxiety, and has also used therapy to cope with loss. Um, and I think that was spot on. We as Black men do deal with our mental health. We deal with it in different ways, and it's dealt to us in different ways. We're told from very early ages to man up, that mm. men don't cry, um, that, that we have to be tough that softness is a weakness, that gentleness is a weakness, and that makes us toxic, that makes us the white men of Black people. And, and we have to undo the damage that was done to us. Those messages, we then have to undo the messages that were sent to us, those of us who are descendants of American slavery. Those messages, the, the physical abuse to get in line, and we have to go. We have to undo the trauma of not really being and living where we're supposed to be being and living. Mm -hmm. Taking it on a on kind of a spiritual and a psychic level, mm -hmm. um, and I do believe that post traumatic slave disorder is a thing. Very real thing. Studies that say that trauma can live in people genetically, and I'm glad that it was those studies were done on Jewish people. Mm -hmm. um, because it gives us more credence as black people who may have been de de descended from slavery. Um, I hope that the brother gets the help that he needs. And I hope that our collective witnessing of this moment is something that brings us together and does not separate us as those of us who have our wits about us and those of us who are crazy mm. because we all crazy. It's just no doubt. A, a paycheck or a traumatic event away from us yeah, and Delonte West. Exactly. And I mean, I, I also want to throw in there, I mean, I am kind of a spiritual person and it's nothing but God's grace that allowed him to just be sitting on the curb and not have been the victim of, uh, of a police related events. Well, he actually was, too. He, he actually was. Okay. And he was from this standpoint. It wasn't actually a police officer who put physically attacked him, but the videos that were recorded True. were True. actually recorded True. by a white police officer. Right, right. So and that in itself is an act of violence. That it is. A, it definitely is an overlooked. act of violence. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. Phil, what do you think, man? Um... What happened to Mr. West was you know, extremely tragic, and I cannot stand the sensationalization of pain. You know, um, but as a people, I think our pain has been sensationalized, you know, for uh, for centuries, um, and diminished, diminished, reduced um, to uh, almost expected behavior, which is um, even you know, which is which is a sickness on their part too. Um, but it's it's hard not to realize. You know the ways that we have had to cope with our uh, mental and emotional issues. You know, um, you know there are a lot of 
you know, there, there are a lot of situations I've seen uh, with students that my wife used to teach that had cases of emotional disturbance, you know, but these are cases where, you know, um, you know, they, uh, the, the, the family felt they were dealing with, dealing with on, the, on their own. So you're dealing with a larger reality that uh, we just don't have the resources in this country to confront our own issues. You know, the, the therapy is only now becoming an issue, even in finding black therapists, you know, for black people. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad this is being brought to the, I'm glad these issues are being brought to the forefront. I'm glad these, these, uh, these, uh, this conversation is being had, you know, hopefully amongst families, between men, between women, um, you know, to understand, you know, what we need to do to make ourselves stronger, to, uh, to, uh, to, to understand, understand ourselves better and to have stronger relationships with each other, you know, because that's what, you know, that therapy is for, you know, okay. to yeah. heal, grow and thrive. I want to I want to close it out on this. Do you think that the NBA because we look at situations like with the NFL where Ooh. there is the, the issue of CTE and traumatic head injury and now the argument or the the movement to have the NFL take responsibility and pay out for situations like this. Do you think that the NF, the NBA is responsible in any way to try and get him the help that he's that he needs? Responsible? Yeah. I wouldn't use responsible. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's a, they have a level of responsibility. Is there a moral component to it possibly that they can reach out and help in that way? But again, I think when we have this discussion, it has to be what type of help are they talking about? Because one of the articles, tons of articles have been out about find, giving him a job, making sure he's employed and all those things. Making sure he's employed is really good and very helpful. But obviously, employment is not what this brother needs at the moment. Yeah. He, he needs good mental health, whatever, fill in the blank there. He, he needs that. I wouldn't necessarily say responsible because I don't know. I, I struggle with the idea of a, a former employer being responsible for their former employees' yeah. well-being. I see. I, I struggle with that component. I, that's why I just want to ride with a moral. Yeah, I can see that, but responsibility. I, I struggle with that dynamic, man. To be honest with you. No, I see you. I see you. But I think oh. perhaps the the union or the retired players association or whatever other you know other players. Yeah. Players. Yeah. I think that those groups do have a moral imperative mm -hmm. to, to care for their uh, folks after retirement and separation from the league. Makes perfect sense. True. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and talk about how mental health and mental health awareness affects the classroom and affects our students. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Don Teasy, man. And it's your girl, Keisha Morena. And we're the host of the Baked Beans and Rice podcast. Baked Beans and Rice is what happens when an Afro-Panamanian girl from New York runs into a Southern fried country boy from Mississippi. Check us out every Thursday as we explore current events and topics related to the culture, such as how to play spades, what it means to be culturally Christian, and code switching. You can catch us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, just to name a few. All right, we'll see y'all next Thursday. All 
All right, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. In the previous segment, we talked about what it's like to be black in the workplace. And we talked about Delante West and his recent issues with mental health. Now we're gonna continue this conversation about mental health and mental health specifically in the black community as we take a dive into the classroom. Um, as we stated at the beginning of the show, Mr. Uh, Mr. Darden is not just an author, but also an educator as well. So I know he has plenty of stories that he can relate to us about what that looks like. So uh, Rashid, why don't you take it over, man? Well, well, being an educator, and I, I was in alternative schools, so my students were typically 16 to 24 years old, had been separated from traditional education for some reason, either dropping out due to family trauma, violence, immigration issues, uh, parenthood, um, or just anything you can imagine. And um, so what mental health in the classroom looks like to me is getting assaulted when a student decided to hit me with a, with an object in class and uh, and me having to decide in the moment, is this is my job? And because I wasn't hurt, uh, it was not the day that I lost my job, but it was the day that I realized, you know, something's gotta be done about how we are approaching mental health for our younger people. Now, I really want to start by talking about a movie most of you all have seen called Precious. Um, when Precious came out about 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now. Yeah, and it's been a while. I saw it on the bootleg, uh, proudly. And, um, <laughs> but it's funny, right? Because I was working in another, in a nonprofit organization, and we had been hearing things like, oh God, this movie Precious is going to be dope. It's going to be dope you know, this book, because I had read the book when I was in high school. And, and I was like, how? How can they even make that into a book? Mm. And the, the movie was pretty true to the book. Um, for those of you, you know, who have not read the book or seen the movie, Precious is a victim of uh, sexual violence at the hands of her father. She's a victim of sexual violence at the hands of her mother. She has two children, one of whom has significant uh, cognitive issues. Um, she herself has not passed middle school and finds herself in an alternative school. And, and before the book closes, she's HIV positive. So, cause you know, black folks, we don't read, you know, this was all news to people that had seen the movie. So <laughs> people were kind of saying, well, oh my God, this is, this is poverty porn. This is terrible. You know, why did they make this movie? Oh my goodness. And the movie was made because this stuff happens. Mm. This Sapphire, the author of Push, uh, the book that uh, Precious was based on, was a teacher at an alternative school just like me. And, and, and I'm here to tell you the stuff that she has written about is real, it happens, and all of those things can and do happen in one student. And then we wonder why they smoke weed all day, right? Mm. Uh, our students are numbing themselves to their trauma and their pain. They do not have parents that can direct them to mental health. They don't understand that their Medicaid, you know, they can get free mental health service on their Medicaid in DC. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, I never, I was a pretty straight laced teenager at, at 
that did pretty well at a regular public high school, went to a top 25 university, you know, I, I, I do my thing, right? I, I, I view myself as pretty smart and straight laced and from DC, but you know, uptown. So it's different. <laughs> Pat yourself <laughs> on the back one time, boy. <laughs> well, you know, one time for the one time. But I never thought that I would end up teaching at an alternative school and loving it so. Mm. But I kind of want to throw three things out there that we can be doing to help our students that are in these situations. Because I think the number one problem with the world today is that we're so disconnected from each other and that we look at the lives of others as entertainment and not as instruction or not as empathy, right? So I think the first thing we got to do is normalize being neighborly. Mm. So, you know, we, we, I don't necessarily know all my neighbors down here in Conway, North Carolina, population 836, but <laughs> we, we wave, we smile, you know, I, I'm, I'm a city boy for real. So I'm not used to, you know, I have people looking at me. I'm like, what you looking at? Right. But, right. but it's different down here. It's different down here. We've got to, those of us that are living in cities, we got to really look at the people that live on our floor of our apartment complexes as an extension of our families to get to know them. Um, and because those are going to be the people, you know, I do still watch DC news and I still see, you know, incidents of violence and the neighbors are like, well, he just kept it himself. Well, we all keep to ourselves. And that's what part of the problem is. Mm. Um, that interconnectedness needs to happen. Normalize being neighborly. We got to, of course, as we talked about in the previous segment, normalize self-care and mental health. Um, we need to be able to talk about being depressed as though we're talking about spraining our ankle the previous weekend. You, you know, you take off when you catch a cold, you should not be penalized for taking off when you're sad. Or when you're out of sort, you know, it, it's not weak, it's not wrong, it's not soft. And I think the final thing is that this is, this is quite specific, but we've got to really make our classrooms more communal. And what I mean by that, you know, everybody is not cut out to be a teacher. There are some teachers that are not cut out to be teachers. We've had seven. But if you've got a teacher in your life that you know is doing the best that they can, You've got to spend your time, I think it's a moral imperative to spend your time, talent, and treasure at least on the, in the teachers that you know. Probably the, the classrooms in your community. Even better classrooms in a community that's worse off than yours. And what do I mean by that? I mean, take that $25 Amazon gift card and send it to a random teacher. If, you, if you've got the kind of job that, that is good for a career day, that's interesting to school. Volunteer with that school. You like sports, you fancy yourself, you know, Polk High quarterback of the year 1967. <laughs> and coach. I mean, you know, we've all got that person, right, in our lives. And, and we're not all meant to be teachers. And we're not all meant to be in these schools. But we all have either time or specific talent or some kind of income that we can give to these schools to lessen the load on the teachers who've got to be the mothers, the fathers, the social workers, the bus drivers. Like, it, it's a lot, y'all. Like, it's a lot. And I'm not even talking about me. 
Let me okay. Let me ask you a question as you're yeah. going. You're running through the litany of it, right? Yeah. Given the story that we've started it off with, as we talked about precious, and given yeah. the fact that you said that these things are real and happen in real time every day in alternative schools across the country, how do you or how do teachers keep their mental sanity? Because dealing with that by itself. I mean, just on an ancillary level or just from the outside looking yep. in, hearing the yep. story wrenches you, makes you like it, it pulls at your heart, it pulls at you mentally. But to actually be in the environment, dealing with these things every single day, having to hear these stories over and over and not just hearing the stories, but having to navigate the pitfalls and manage these relationships, it's got to take a toll. So how do you how do you how do you keep saying? You quit and you go write books in the country like I did. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm giving you the playbook here. But in lieu of that, Lord. the resistance it, is alive. I see. The resistance is alive. <laughs> in, in lieu of that, right? So, one, therapy, even when you think you don't need it, go. Go on a regular basis just to decompress and talk about that stuff with a third party who is going to have your back that you are paying to give you the service of listening to your shit. So, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is know your boundaries very well and know that work starts at eight and ends at three 30 or when, whenever it does. And, it's hard not to take the work home with you, but you've got to maintain that separation. I you see you. And you guys have any know, other questions for him too? I don't want you guys to think, you know, not to, you know, I know I run my mouth a lot, but come on, guys. I'm glad you acknowledge that. You know, when uh, I fight you, I'm gonna see you in the streets. It's gonna be some, it's gonna be some trouble, boy. <laughs> no, uh, my question would be, what techniques would you give? Because a lot of teachers and educators. Um, obviously are not there because of the pay because we know they don't get paid worth the damn. Yeah. Uh, they're there because they actually care and they want to help. What right. strategies or techniques would you advise them to practice? You mentioned the self-care, but to even manage a classroom. Like I worked in an alternative school as a teacher's assistant. It was one of the worst jobs I've ever had. And I got paid decently. But yeah. what I had to deal with on a daily basis, it was just a horrible environment, man. So what would be some suggestions you would give to people who are passionate, want to stay, uh, and are trying to stick it out in that environment? Well, I'm going to say this. There's a lot of teachers that are in this situation find themselves told to incorporate restorative practices into their classrooms. Mm, elaborate on for, that. For your, for your listeners who are not aware of, of what that is, in a nutshell, restorative practices are a group of things that educators and community members can do to build and rebuild community between the students, the staff, the greater community, etc. Um, you may have heard of restorative justice. justice yeah. Kind of restorative practices. <clears throat> But there are things that you can learn in restorative practices that make you a better classroom manager. Mm -hmm. uh, and just as a very specific thing that I do, I do academic circles. Okay. And okay. I introduce content by having my students sit in a circle and take time to share what they might know, kind of, kind of a pre-check. 
what mm-hmm. do you know about the Revolutionary War? Or, or, or you, you know, I use mm-hmm. Hamilton a lot in class because Hamilton is nothing but a big old schoolhouse rock episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so little things like that. If you're not acquainted with the restorative practices, get acquainted and use some of those tricks in your classroom, even if it's not a school-wide thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to 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 your negative experience. You know, Iyanla said fish rots from the head. No doubt. And these students, students are going to be bad, mm-hmm. especially in an alternative school. That, that's, be. you know, right. It's mm-hmm. not it's not going to be easy. But mm-hmm. what I what I have observed is a lot of times it's a direct relation to how the students feel about the idea of school and about that particular school leader. It is the world of difference when you go to school every day and know that the person in that driver's seat, that principal, cares about you, will make Mm -hmm. sure that you're groomed, will make sure that you're clean, will make sure that you have clothes on your back and shoes on your feet. There are great principals out there doing that work in traditional schools and poor schools and rich schools. And those kids, no matter what, go to school every day and know that they are loved. If the person at the top doesn't love students and is not in love with the profession, but is in love with ambition instead, mm-hmm. oh, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to mm-hmm. work from the top to the bottom. And I can tell you, I can name names, but I'm not going to. <laughs> okay, so I want I want you to in the beginning of our in the beginning of the conversation, the beginning of the show, you talked about how these experiences led you into some of the stories that you've now created. Can you go into that and go into detail about that a little bit? So my novel, Children of Fury, which is in the editing stages now, it is complete, it's being edited and proofread and and all of that stuff. Uh, It is probably the closest to being autobiographical without actually being autobiographical. Um, It is about a teacher who comes to an alternative school and what he's facing is a group of students who have seen trauma and evil but the the fundamental question is is are the evils that they faced growing up worse than the evil that is literally lurking below the streets of Washington? So this is a this is technically urban fantasy leaning into horror. So mm. of course I have my big bad, I have an actual monster, I have a cult, like I have all that good stuff that mm-hmm. makes but I also have five students who, one of them coincidentally is named Delante. Um, the students was forced into prostitution by their father. Uh, two of the students are a couple. Their, their child was killed in a drive-by shooting. Another student was living with his life and has a mother that strung out on drugs. And the fifth student, uh, her boyfriend, she's a victim of rape and her boyfriend was killed earlier in the school year before the events of the school, uh, the events of the book open. So these are not necessarily my kids' stories, but they are stories that are common with anybody in a similar environment. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do was put these students in a situation where they have the choice to become heroes. And I also want to ask the question, well, why Clark Kent? Why Bruce? Mm-hmm. Why not Shaquana? Mm-hmm. Why not Keontae? Why, why do our heroes have to be white? Why do they have to be middle class or wealthy? Why can't they be poor? Why can't they have gone through some real things and then have to decide how to use their powers? 
Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what Children of Fury is about. I mean, there, there's a play on words in that title, but there's there's this notion that students in alternatives are angry. And I think mm-hmm. they have I agree. Many reasons they've been failed so many times by so many adults, and this is their last stop. So I wanted I wanted to tell their story in in a way that was less direct than precious, but adds that layer of the fantastic of mythology and uh, that good old fashioned horror. I, I love a good horror story. I was raised on Carrie and Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm, I see you, my guy. I see you. Uh, I'll give you an opportunity to repeat this, but when can we expect that book to drop? Sometime in 2020. When when you're self-published, you'd like to have a date, but a lot of things change that date. But before too long, 2020. Okay, good to go. All right. Right about now is the time that we'd like to leave you with little little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So, uh, Phil, what's up? I just want to send a quick shout out to Jay Cole, who uh, recently took part in a uh, MLK Now uh, MK Celebration, where he uh, recalled uh, receiving a book called The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration and the Age of Color Blindness, and mm-hmm. realizing, you know, how much of it related to his everyday life yep. in the past. And he, uh, he opened it, he realized that he was getting sick of rapping about himself. So, shout out to him for, you know, expanding your, you know, expanding your mind, expanding your world. No doubt, no doubt. L, what's up, man? Uh, a couple of things, man. Just staying on the, the mental health aspect. Uh, as doing the work that I do, uh, attempting to abolish cash bail, one of the things that we work heavily with is restorative justice. So I would suggest that people would take some time to actually look at those pillars, those examples of restorative care to get familiar with it because it's definitely something that you can institute in every environment, school, church, the block, everywhere, your family, it is outstanding. And also do some reading up on trauma-informed care. Both of those things, man, are so crucial to our community, to our people. They address our trauma in a very holistic manner. Definitely check those two things out, man. No doubt. Rashid, what is up? Well, um, I thought this was going to be the lighter segment of the evening. So uh, (laughs) I saved my serious parts for earlier. Uh, Listen, so again, on the subject of mental health, uh, you've got Orlando Brown in the news. And we know that Orlando Brown has been going through things. And Orlando has said that Nick Cannon provided a transaction of an oral nature to him, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to take this time to shout out Nick Cannon for being compassionate in his response. Um, it, was, it was a verbose response and he did not deny it. But I think that he did elicit compassion among his followers um, while pointing out the obvious that this gentleman, you know, who allegedly has mental issues really, you know, ha- has to uh get not only help but better people around him to make sure that nobody's listening the next time he accuses no doubt no doubt uh what's up for me this uh actually earlier this week is is odd there's a young man in uh detroit he recently uh filed a claim against his employer for racial discrimination 
won that lawsuit, got a big ass check, and uh, they settled with him, undisclosed amount, but he got some serious money. Went to the bank and they would not cash his check. They ended up calling the police. Five officers came out to meet him, questioned him for about an hour and some change, asking him where he got the check from and so on. And the bank said, or at least according to the police, the police say that the bank said that they had to call it in as a fraud because when they scanned the check, it had a watermark that said void on it and they had to move forward procedures for a fraudulent check. Uh, of course, Mr. Thomas, Mr. Thomas is the young man's name. He said, I don't believe it. If it was a white guy, this thing wouldn't happen. And I know the check was good because after I, I found somewhere else to cash the check and it cleared in 10 hours. So <laughs> we the same exact check. So we know what time it is. Uh, needless to say that his lawyer that helped him to win that uh, settlement with his employer is about to get him another big check from this bank, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Mr. Darden, thank you so much for being no on the doubt, show, man. We man. really, really yes. appreciate you taking you. the time out and, uh, you know, thank you so much for having slumming me. with really us some knuckleheads it. like us. <laughs> Where can people find you if they'd like to find you, your material, follow you on social media, all of that good stuff? Well, if you want to send me an old-fashioned letter, it's P.O. Box 346, Conway, North Carolina. That's what I'm um, for those of you that like letters, I do read fan mail. I have none. So you asking you asking for care packages already? Is that what you're doing? I eat ramen. <laughs> I do enjoy ramen. I will take an edible arrangement. Um, you can find me at my, my website. My website is oldgoldsoul.com. But if you type in rashiddarden.com, it will take you there. That's R A S H I D. D-A-R-D-E-N. And all of my social media is just at Rashid Darden. That's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, um, and, the, and the other sites that were listed at the top of the hour. No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. L, where can people find you if they'd like to find you, man? Man, uh, I'm just going to be at the... Oh, okay. I thought you was... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> on your fans only page, <laughs> listen, man. Uh, light skinned love is 2020. Uh, <laughs> is that what it is? Bishop no, no, the website is we red solo brothers. cups for lovers.com. <laughs> oh, keep it brown, keep it down. <laughs> oh, Tell them where they can God. find you, man. Man, at Elgin Bailey, man, everywhere. No doubt. Crush, where can people find you if they like to find you, man? On Instagram at the Orange Cross with a K or at SP Methods. No doubt. And I am Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on IG at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us on another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us. Remember, we want to hear from you. Help us continue these conversations by reaching us at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. And as always, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. Peace. Peace. This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. Not the black, bro. <laughs> 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 <la
Your brother black up me, Bertrand. Listen. In the black podcast, like your lad, it's all facts. You don't like that, the fall back. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Switch fast if you ain't raw, the whole whack. It falls, intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Resting them my excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up me, bro. Man, a specialist. No what the podcast broadcast, y'all mess with this. Like said, they're my cheat. Who no do it so effortless? I listen, them I learn. Man, them listen, them I benefit. Reporting, current event. Everything that is prevalent. This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment. Giving you the news, not views without evidence. Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments. Relax, these are the facts. Bringing them to your residence. In your house, like your tenement. Listen, they hear intelligence. Body filled with melanin. Power that's so ascending. Bright in the stars. Bringing some light back to the desolate. In the black podcast, like your lad is all facts. You don't like that, the fuck back. In the black podcast, they fucked up. Who looks like watch black up here, chat me down, flop. In the black podcast, like your lad is all facts. You don't like that, the fuck back. In the black podcast, we all lost. They will let them count, not let them count. Just like that, though. Yeah, man, that's so bad. Listen. <laughs> 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 <laughs>